Hi everyone, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. And guys, guys, I want you guys to prepare yourselves because today, this episode, I am talking about the second book in the Bay Area Blues um, duo or duology by Katrina Jackson. I'm talking about Back in the Day. And it is, it is absolutely a gem of a book. Will you cry? Yes. Get the Kleenex ready. Be prepared. Maybe don't wear some mascara when you're reading. You're going to cry. But you're also going to be immersed in an incredible story. An absolutely beautiful story. I want to read you guys one of the many things that I highlighted. Um, This is, I'm obviously reading on my Kindle app for iPhone. And um, so this is at 55% um, of the book. And this is part of an article that the father, Alonzo Reed, wrote back in the day get it get it he wrote it back in the day okay the best magic like the best music burrows under the skin and digs down deep by the time the last chords reverberate through the air everyone in attendance is carrying that magic with them that is beautiful, right? And you're probably going, girl, why are you reading that part to us? Because I think that this book, like the best music and the best magic, will burrow under your skin, will dig in deep. And by the time you get to the very last word on the very last page, okay, you will be carrying that with you. And you might be going, girl, I don't know. Listen, listen, I knew it was going to be good. Again, I'm a Katrina Jackson stan, fan, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. I appreciate her writing. I have enjoyed all of her books that I have read. I still have a bunch that I have bought and not read because unconsciously I had been doing the whole save in case of an emergency so I had saved these this duology and then one day I was like you know what I've been reading things that were either boo-boo or just haven't really been in the mood and wasn't really in the mood to either reread something so I was like let me do this and also I mentioned in the last episode I'd seen a tweet talking about it I was like oh yeah I hate it let me go you know let me go dive into this world. And Katrina Jackson, because I'm going to say her full name because, oh my goodness, she delivers a novella that is absolutely incredible, right? I mean, I definitely thought that, you know, Book one was incredible. I was like, wow, like book one is so, so good. 
you know, and I was like, okay, and I knew that this book was also going to be just as good. It's longer, right? The first book is 99 pages. This book is 206 pages. So it is longer by 107 pages, right? And it is... It is an incredible feat, okay? Because we get... So I read, whenever you hear historical, right? You think... Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that because I'm generalizing. That can be boo-boo sometimes. Oftentimes, uh, as a reader, when I think of historical, I immediately, especially within the Brahmin's genre, I immediately think of, you know, 1700s, 1800s, you know, 1600s, whatever. Maybe early 1900s, like 1904, um, one of the things that I was able to understand and realize, and that may scare some of us because it's, it now feels a lot closer, is that books that are being set in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, we are getting to a point where that is that is historical. That isn't 20 years ago. It isn't 30 years ago, right? Like, I mean, for people born in 1980, that was 40 years ago. 42, my math. So, if 1970 is, what, 52 years ago? So, within the bounds of what is now going to start to be classified as historical, which I know some of you are going to be like, girl, if you don't, if you don't, how dare you? Uh, and so this book... So similar, okay, just like the first book where, the first book was set up like an, like the chapter headings were like a, an album, right? Track one, track two, whatever. We don't get that in this book. In this book, we start off in 2010 and then go back to 1967. And we go back between these two years. Um, and it is really well done. I don't often read books where I'm like, oh, okay, I can, you know, I don't often read books, I think, where we're doing that sort of time hopping. Sometimes I read books where it's like, maybe we start off in one year, and then it's like five years down the road, six years down the road, but we kind of sort of, once we move forward into the new, you know, the new time period, we don't really go back. That isn't the case in this book. We literally go back and forth between 2010 and 1967. Um, we have a few chapters. There are moments where we maybe spend, you know, we, we stay in 1967 for a while and we stay in 2010 for a while. And then the epilogue it ends up being 2019. So what are the main focus, the main love uh, story, is the story of two people who, when we meet, when we are in 2010, you know, have been married, have been married, and one of them has passed. Um, I think I mentioned it in the last episode that both of these books do have parental death. Um, it isn't parental death on the page in both cases. 
the parent in which in, in this case the mother has passed by the time the book starts um and in both cases both women died of heart attacks and i had mentioned last time that unfortunately uh heart attacks are a huge factor like a huge you know risk factor for black women period like black women are at higher risk of fatally dying from heart attacks and a lot of it has to do with you know people not being fully aware of all the heart attack symptoms um black women just being at higher risks and the fact that women in general um when they have heart attacks it is sort of a bunch of small veins collapsing at once as opposed to one big one so it's a lot harder to save someone from that so this book has that parental grief, right? Um, but what this book also has is... Uh, because this book could have easily not have been about the parents. Or maybe not, because it's in the past. Um, but I think that even knowing that in 2010, the mother had already passed, being able to see their story was absolutely wonderful okay so our main we are essentially with three main characters not two we are with the father alonzo reed we are with amir reed right the son who in some ways he's not telling the story right alonzo is essentially telling his son about how him and his mother got together Oh, so we're seeing, you know, Alonzo sort of hearing. And and because I think Alonzo's explaining, like, how they very first met. Not, like, a different part of their courtship, but the very, very initial moment of the meeting. Um, and then our third character, who obviously shows up when we are in the past, but is no longer physically present in the quote-unquote present, is Ada Reed, uh, also when we first meet her in the past her she's obviously going by her name maiden name and that's Ada Carr um I thought it was really interesting that every in this family everyone had a name with an A Alonzo and Ada both had names that started with A and decided to name their children um with A names um we've got Amir and his sister's name, I believe, is Amaya. Um, which I, I was like, you know what? I can definitely see that. I mean, this all sound ridiculous. But sometimes when I'm playing, like, those, like, silly games uh, where you have to, like, list, you know, people. Um, what is it that I play all the time? Bit life or whatever? Where you're basically doing a whole life. Like, I'll do that. I'll be like, well, if the father's name starts with an F, all his children will have F names. Um, why? Because why not? Like, and of course you're going, girl, what? Like, well, why would you do that? Because it's fun. So, even that um, small thing, I was like, oh, I, I really appreciated that detail. And I don't think I caught on to that until, like, well deep into the book where I was like, wait, wait a minute wait, I think at the beginning I was just like, do, 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 and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, 
way. Um, which I'm sure is like one of those things where it's like, um, like what? But anyway, so when we're in 1967, we're meeting Alonzo, we're meeting Ada, and um, we're seeing them at that very beginning moment. And I think what, at least for me, was really, really cool um, and all and kind of fascinating, I think oftentimes it's easy for us to not really think about our parents and how they met and how their story came to be, right? But as I was reading, um, and as I as I thought of like, you know, if I'm a parent one day, you know, there there's always that moment where two people meet, and things can go anywhere, right? They can go really well, they can go really bad. People can get along, or people can not get along. Like there are so many things, so many choices, so many decisions that can lead to two people coming together or the opposite that can lead to two people never meeting, right? Um, And then I had this moment of realization of like, had they not met, would at that moment in time, would they ever have met? Would they ever have ended up together and creating the family that they have? Like, would Amir exist? I was just like, and it's not necessarily that the book is saying or asking those questions, but as I was reading, I was like, wow. Because I think in getting in getting to be a mirror, because I feel like in this book, often the reader is in the same place as a mirror in a certain respect. Like a mirror, we're hearing this story for the very first time, right? We are starting to learn about how Alonzo first laid eyes on Ada at, you know, a music festival, how they had to work together and what that all meant. So in that respect, like Amir, like we, the reader, like Amir, are learning all of this for the very first time. And so like Amir, we're able to start to see that um, our parents are obviously our parents, right? But they are also have been and continue to be people, individuals with hopes and dreams and desires that don't have anything to do with their offspring. Because I think it is very easy to fall into that trap of like, well, it's all about me. And I was like, oh girl, but I had a life before you. Um, And then I also think to myself, like, for many of us who are of an age where we are entering, you know, committed, serious relationships, whether they be marriage or not, and having children, um, that also means that, you know, you are entering into this new family, but you are still your, you know, the person you were, and now you're going to, you know, bring new life into this world, but that doesn't ever mean that you stopped or stop being that person who maybe met your significant other at a music festival, at a nightclub, at a bookshop, in the supermarket, at, um, you know, in line for COVID testing, wherever, right? Missing, playing at the gate, doesn't matter the scenario. Uh, And so 
I was like, and so we get that. We, we get to see Ada and Alonzo at the very beginning. But what we also get to see, especially when we're in um, 2010, is sort of the, the end result of these, the love that these two people had. That end result is their children but also their community, also the things that, you know, Ada has left behind, um, the ways in which Alonzo is having to navigate through a world where his his life partner is no longer physically present. Um, and so we are seeing, we see both the very beginning of their story and many, I feel like some people would say the end of their story, and I don't think it's the end of their story, because I think the beauty, at least for me, the beauty was that we got to see the continuation of their story, and that they have two children who are now adults and are falling in love, and who will then continue. So yes, Alonzo and Ada together as a entity, as a marriage relationship, etc., are no longer, you know, both physically there, but what they began together doesn't disappear, doesn't die off. It continues. It continues in their daughter and it continues in their son. And it will continue in the relationships that they have and in the children that they have. Um, and so for me, as I mentioned last episode, um, something that really struck me with both of these books is, you know, grappling with the grief of a loss of a parent. But also in this book, Amir has lost his mother, but his father's alive. But because he's lost his mother, there isn't any more that nebulous thought of one day my parents will be gone. Because one of them is already gone. It is now a certainty. It is now a reality. It is no longer abstract. It is now a truth. A truth we like to ignore and avoid, but a truth. And as I read it, of course it, you know, struck me. And I do think that if you are in a position right now where your parents are getting to a certain age, it is going to strike a chord with you because you are going to, you're going to empathize with Amir so much. You're going to see so much of yourself in him, in that, you know, that, you know, uh, anxious fear of, how much time do we have left? Is, you know, the moments when you're seeing your parent slow down and not be able to be as mobile and and that, un, you know, that dawning realization that they aren't here forever. And the reality of how painful that is, right? And so... Um, Again, I really don't think I can talk about this book without spoiling it. You might be like, well, you've already spoiled so much, child. Um, in which case, my bad. 
it's just, I mean, it's 206 pages, girl. Like, go read it. Come back. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is, it is so well done. And I think that what really, really hit home for me is music is something that I do believe is so utterly important. I, you know, I listen to Spotify all the time. I grew up singing in choir. Um, it's rare that I'm not playing music. I get excited about music. I, and I, you know, it's a wide breadth of music. Um, and even then I still feel like there isn't enough time and, you know, to, to experience all that music has to offer. And this book, you know, looks at me because I feel like, you know, the first book was, you know, the playlist and how music was being incorporated, um, into her life and, how she was relating to music and that felt very modern right because we're talking about playlists we're talking about um you know just and podcasting and just something that felt of of you know today the moment that we're in this is about records right um and one of the things that when I was done this book I was like oh now I want a record player and now I want a record collection And I say this because um, the premise of this book is when we meet Amir and Alonzo, Amir is helping his father pack because he's moving his father out of the home that he grew up in. And the father is going to move in with him in his condo in a different part of the Bay Area. And I believe, um, I don't remember if they're trying to sell the house or if another family member with kids is going to move in. Um, and moving out of the home that you grew up in isn't easy, right? You know, you're saying goodbye to a place you've considered home. Um, and depending on how long you guys have been there, you've considered home not for a decade, but like two, three, four decades, right? So it's not an easy thing to do to pack up an entire lifetime of stuff to purge all of the things that you've maybe been talking about purging for forever and never got around to, but also making the decision of what will you keep, especially because, you know, they're downsizing, right? Amir lives in a condo. His father's going to move in with him. It's not a massive three or four bedroom house, right? It is a much smaller space. And so Alonzo's like, we're moving all my records, which apparently, are, like, take up their entire living room, like, have specially built shelves. And Amir's like, Dad, I live in a condo. What are you talking about? Where is there going to be room for this? Um, but Amir, but Alonzo's very sort of adamant. And one of the things that we realize as we read, and honestly, it isn't I felt like after I got to the point where Amir, you know, finally realizes what is going on, I was like, damn, I should have picked up on that sooner, but I didn't. Um, Because it is very close to the end when the father is basically like, do you understand, like, what this collection is? Do you really understand what it is? And eventually Amir is like, oh, it's, it's a soundtrack to our lives. 
And reading that, I was like, wow. Um, Because I think that when music is a focal point, a focal or a major focus in your home, and I can't speak for homes where that isn't the case because we played music all the time growing up. Um, and my parents do talk about having an extensive record collection and then they emigrated to another country and moving records around from country to country in the 80s and 90s. Not, not, not doable. But when you grow up with music, right? Similar to taste and smell, sound in other sense can transport you to moments in time, right? It can transport you to beautiful moments, terrible moments, um, and even mundane ones. It's really interesting. I've seen it a few times. People posting either videos or comments of like, my kids will know on Sunday that it's a cleaning day when I play X song, right? And of course, for those of us who are in our, you know, 30s, almost 40s, when our parents would play certain songs, of course, they were songs that were older. Now it's like us being like, oh, my kids are going to know it's time to clean if I'm blasting Destiny's Child or if um, I'm blasting Christina Aguilera. Uh, when I was living in the Bronx, I'm almost 100% that someone would do that with Mark Anthony because it almost always was either Saturday or Sunday at around like 10 in the morning and all of a sudden for probably four to five hours it was Mark Anthony straight his entire discography basically and so as I thought about that I thought about like wow right music isn't just about like in that moment it is the ways in which it is entwined in our lives and we get to see it in this book both in 1967 when Alonzo meets Ada, but also in 2010, right? There are songs that remind Amir and Alonzo of, you know, when Amir was younger, right? Or when their family was whole and Ada was alive. But there's also the, like, the beauty or the magic of Alonzo and Ada meeting at a music festival. And meeting at a music festival when... Neither one was originally supposed to work it. So it's this music festival in Monterey. And Alonzo gets basically asked last minute to cover it because the uh, regular report, musical reporter for The Voice can't make it. And Ada is chosen to cover it instead of this other uh, white photographer. So right there, had those two things not happened, these characters wouldn't have met at this music festival. So you've got this like moment of like them meeting at this music festival and having to work together. And Alonzo is, you know, um, I would say he's the kind of character that doesn't have his shit together. Like he drives down to Monterey, California, doesn't have anywhere to sleep. And doesn't, like, think about it until, like, after the end of the first day of the festival when, like, they're about to go their separate ways. And she's like, where are you staying? And that's when he's like, oh, right, about that, right? And, of course, this is 1967. You can't pull out 
pull out a smartphone and look up uh, places on Hotel Tonight and hope that there's something. Cell phones don't exist, right? You actually have to drive by places and see if they have vacancies, stop in. And he doesn't make a lot of money. So he doesn't even really think he has the money. So he's probably like, maybe I'll see where I can shower. And, you know, this could have easily been a moment where Adolf was like, this man don't even have a place to sleep anyway. Um, But she was intrigued by him. And I think she was intrigued by him. Hey, everyone. It is June many months after I recorded the very first portion. I didn't get rid of it because I stand by what I said in that first part. And I am going to, in some ways, continue off of that, probably retread some ground. Um, But I really enjoyed that part. And I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like getting rid of it because that was authentic and real and whatnot. If you haven't noticed, then it's all cool. If you have noticed, I've been away for a while. Um, life life started to get a bit weird, and then life got weirder, and I kind of just couldn't get into the headspace. But I made the conscious decision a few weeks ago to really sit down and go back to making my podcast because I really enjoy it. I have a lot of fun talking to myself and hopefully to y'all about the books that I love. So. I had left off with, I was going to get you guys an episode about the second book in the Bay Area Blues, which is Back in the Day. And as I have mentioned already, this book is going to, you know, make you cry. So prepare yourselves for that. Um, This book really, really hits home for me because... I am currently at a point in my life where my parent, one of my parents, my father, his health isn't great anymore. It isn't the worst. He's still with us. But that far off time, that far off moment, um, that idea that one day I may lose him, that is no longer an abstract concept far into the future that concept is much con- more is much more concrete and even though i hope and pray that the timeline is still you know a few years down the road the reality is that i could be wrong and the timeline could be much shorter so this book i think we get to because you're probably going okay but isn't this a romance novel and it is it's it and it's a novella and Katrina Jackson manages to pack into this novella, you know, this incredible love story between, you know, Alonzo and his deceased wife, Ada. But we get to see in this book something that I don't think we see as much in other novellas. We get to really see, you know, the the fruit of that love, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned this already, right, in their children. Um, and I think when I have read historicals, I'm the first example that comes to mind is Elisa Kleypas, um, Ravenel's, um, or Ravenel's, however you pronounce them, only because 
we're seeing right like the children of the couples from the previous series whose name I'm blanking on and so we're seeing you know the fruit of that love and how those kids you know now go through finding their love stories right and so I think that sometimes in romance novels if an author has like multiple series that build on family we sometimes get that but I feel like even aside from that, I think Katrina specifically in this book wanted to show us, the reader, right, the, in not the endurance, but love in not just the beginning, right, not just when two people come together and meet each other and get to know each other and fall for each other, but also in how that love develops and how in the development of that love, right? And when I say development, you know, these two people or coming together, creating a family, building a family, building a home and going through the ups and downs of life, right? And then getting to that point where, you know, two which had become one, you know, I was going to say two becomes one, ignore that part, but getting to that point where these two people who have built this life together end up having to part ways and maybe, you know, depending on your viewpoint, they will reunite at a later point in time. But as, as of right now, you know, when the book is in, you know, the year 2010, Alonzo no longer has Ada, right? But also Alonzo's kids no longer have their mother. And so we're getting to see the beauty of love between Alonzo and Ada as they get together and come together. But we're also getting to see the beauty of what the fruit of that love, right? And how that love encompasses their children and what that means for their children in 2010 and how that impacts their day-to-day life and the decisions that they make and the choices um, that they, you know, make. And it, again, this is a novella. It's 206 pages. And she captures this so beautifully, so, so beautifully. And I, you know, and I think what I found really fascinating, um, along with looking at love from this lens, right? We're looking at love from the lens of what does your love life look like when you, you know, are much closer to the end of your story than you were to the beginning of your story, right? We've got that. But we've also got the way in which she ties music into it. And again, for me, having grown up in a home where we played music all the time, where music was sort of a a central theme, right? You know, like, we're going to put on, you know, and music has so many different functions, right? It's something pleasing to listen to, but it can connect you to, you know, your homeland. If you're in a new place, it's going to connect you to culture. It can connect you to um, other people because they are fans of the same music. It crosses the boundaries of language because I, I 
always think about how fascinating it is that my parents, when they lived in Honduras, were big Bob Marley fans, but they didn't speak any English. But they were huge Bob Marley fans because Bob Marley was a global star, right? And I don't think at that time they were considering that they might one day move to an English-speaking country and then learn English and then, you know, eventually know, you know, Bob Marley's lyrics, right? At the time that they're listening to Bob Marley, they're just loving his music, even though they don't understand the actual lyrics, right? I think of today, you know, so many people are huge K-pop fans and, is everyone suddenly fluent in Korean? No, but music, right, can tie people together in so many different ways. And this book, it reminds us of that over and over and over again, right? It reminds us of that in the fact that like we get portions of the article that Alonzo wrote. It is a, it is a fantastic article. I think, you know, um, for me, I'm like, ooh, like, I almost want to like cut and paste each part that's the article and put it together because I think it's, you know, she creates this article that like gets you excited about this like festival that you're, you know, not present at. And there are so many wonderful lines and phrases because I think she really does describe the ways in which music can bring us together because music touches on our feelings and so we're reading about this couple falling in love we're seeing who they are or or where that story of theirs is currently at even though the mother is gone the story isn't over her husband is still alive her children are still alive right you know um when people pass there's often the phrase of like, they are survived by, you know, and that is the reality. This person may be gone. This member of this four person immediate family is gone. So there are only three, but that does not mean that the story of the love that she shared with her husband is gone, right? And one of the things that I think in this respect is kind of cool is that as the two siblings go on to create their families, and their love stories, it'll in so many ways tie back to their parents, partially because like they wouldn't exist if their parents hadn't got together kind of thing, right? Um, But because the lessons that they've learned about love, about romantic love and familial love and sibling love and love for community come from their parents. And that is something that, you know, we're currently living in a time and place where there are so many examples of crazy, awful, terrible shit. And it is really easy to just get bogged down in that. And I'm not saying that this book is like an answer, but I think one thing we can maybe pull from this book is this idea of how when you are open to loving another person and then that grows into a family and into a community, you are able to support each other in a way that you wouldn't be able to if you wouldn't open yourself up to love, if that makes sense, right? Um, So yeah, this is, this duology, these two books, which are, you know, 
at the end of the day, not a lot of pages are incredible, are impactful, and are so strong because I think Katrina really, really shows us what love can really look like, not just at that very beginning moment. I think that juxtaposition of seeing Ada and Alonzo, right, when they were young and literally their beginning, right, and the, like, kind of craziness of it all, right? I think in the first portion I mentioned, you know, Alonzo shows up, like, nowhere to sleep, like, like, unprepared to the max, basically, because it was so last minute. And this, at this point in time, you can't just, like, pull out your cell phone and figure something out. You literally can't do that. Um, And Ada could have easily just been like, you are unorganized and nah, right? But she's willing to, you know, she has to work with him, but as she's getting to know him and because he is, you know, trying, I don't think he's necessarily trying, you know, to be all like smooth daddy and all that with her, but he is, he's genuine. He's genuine, I think, in the way in which he interacts with her, but he's also genuine about the music. And I think that um, what, what I was able to get is that Ada gets to see Alonzo in this element that is both like unsettled because he was not at all prepared for this, but also how he's able to, you know, operate under this pressure, but also how he's able to really like live in the moment of the music. And that has to be so fascinating and exciting to see someone who's able to really, especially for those of you who love music, right? Um, Seeing someone else who loves music, even if you might have different tastes in artists, but meeting with people who have that deep appreciation for sound and how it can impact you um, is kind of, it just gives you this insight into this other person that you can get over time, but I think is a little bit, I don't know, there's something about that that just makes it really clear. Um, There's a, it's literally, I think the second or third page, it's in the, it doesn't say prologue, it's after the content warnings page, Um, there's a paragraph that I bolded, uh, or that highlighted, because, again, similar to the one I read to you guys in the first chunk, this stood out for me, um, and I'm gonna read it to you guys as well, um, because you're gonna be like, pero you are spoiling, yeah, well, like, again, it's mad short, go read and come back, but here we go, if you were there, I promise you one day, Someone will ask you to think about moments that changed your life. Moments that blanketed you in the good vibrations of the best music, the sun beating down on your forehead, and that sure moment when you had the opportunity to make a real connection with another person and you took it. Moments that offered you the chance to take the first step into becoming whoever you think you were meant to be. And 
again, to me, first of all, Alonzo writing that, I mean, if that is just because there are moments that we can look back on and know that they were a catalyst, that they changed our lives, right? That they offer, like it says, they offered us a chance to take the step into becoming who we thought we were going to be. We all have dreams of who we want to be. We all have dreams of who we want to be with, what that's going to look like, what that's going to sound like. And then come the moments where we can take that step into becoming what we've dreamed about, right? And the idea that this is happening at a music festival, I think that sometimes you might think music festival and it's maybe something like Coachella or Woodstock, but the reality is that there's millions of music festivals, right? With millions of artists and all of them are going to have their own distinct energy, their own distinct moments, because there is the difference between music festivals that happen in early spring, music festivals that happen at the height of summer, music festivals that happen up in the fall, music festivals that might happen while your corner of the world is in winter and another corner of the world is in summer and, you know, you travel and you get away from, from the guild, from the eyes, right? There are so many factors, but something that's really important to that is A, the music and also when you have that moment and that opportunity to make that connection, choosing to do so, taking that chance, right? So Alonzo and Ada take that chance. And in them being brave enough to take that chance, right, they're able to then create this incredible story that leads us to, you know, their children. And we don't get really an in-depth look into their children's stories because this book really is about Ada and Alonzo. But we get enough, right? We we get enough that we are able to imagine their stories and how they will play and how music will be something that plays into the lives of, you know, Amir and his sister well after both of their parents are gone. Um, something that I also thought was really interesting while reading this book um, is how there is this resurgence of older uh, types of music options that sounded weird. So I think I'd mentioned, you know, records and how records, I want to say, started to, records, vinyl, started to make a huge comeback probably like five, ten years ago. Do you know what's making a huge comeback today in 2022? Cassettes. Cassettes. Okay? Cassettes and CDs. And you might say to me, Esther, that's crazy talk. Esther, you don't know what you're talking about. Here's the thing. I'm going I'm to I'm be real quick with this, Okay? I wouldn't necessarily have thought that, except um, Florence and the Machine's latest album came out, and my roommate is a huge, huge fan, so I was like, oh, I could get her, like, some of the merch, right? And I'm on Florence's website, and of course there's vinyl, there was, like, a really cool, like, brown one, but do you know what Florence was also offering? Three different cassettes with three distinct and unique prints on them for collection, 
and the CD. And I was like, what? Really? Truly? Right? Then, then, shortly, not shortly after, that happened a little, much later. In June, the month that I'm currently recording in, I plan to post this almost immediately, so you'll probably hear it uh, in, you know, very soon. Beyonce lets the world know that not only is she not going to surprise drop an album, she's telling us a date, but you can buy merch and every single box comes with a CD, a CD, right? And then I don't know, I feel like I've probably mentioned it on this podcast before. If I haven't or you didn't notice, it's cool. I'm a massive Dermot Kennedy fan, Stan. Was I heartbroken that I could not go see him in Ireland after having tickets to see him at Malahide in Ireland? Yes, I was. But circumstances were what circumstances were. So luckily, thanks to a fan page, I was able to get them to do a giveaway so someone else could get to go and enjoy the magic, right? Anyway, he just talked about second album is coming out and today... There are bundles, and in the bundles for merch for the new album, there are CDs and cassettes. So, all I have to say to that, right, for those of you who are old enough that you know what a cassette is, you know how to work a cassette, you know exactly, you know, that this is not like an MP3, you gotta rewind, you gotta fast forward, right? For those of you who had CD players as kids, Walkmans and CD players, you were walking around with batteries in your backpack or your fanny pack. You were walking around with a whole thing, like a a CD holder. We are seeing that resurgence, right? Part, Part of it, I think, is artists are realizing that's another way to get money from fans because who doesn't want to have like limited edition stuff like that? but also because there are so many ways in which we can listen to music. And also, maybe it's a return to being able to own music, right? Because Alonzo, having an entire living room of records, of vinyl, he owned every single piece of that. That belonged to him. And him leaving it to his son, Amir, that belonged to Amir. I have a Spotify subscription. I pay for that monthly, right? But do I own any of that? If I don't buy that album on, you know, iTunes, and here's the thing, right? I was alive when iPhones did not exist. Maybe iPhones will exist until the day I die, but what if they disappear? Then how am I listening to my Spotify subscription? What if... That happens. I'm not saying it will. Okay, well, let's all calm down. But I'm just saying, I don't own most of the music I love, right? Which is something that I've thought about, like, kind of in an abstract sort of, huh. But as I'm seeing artists being like, I'm going to give you CDs, I'm going to give you cassettes, I'm going to give you vinyl, it's like, oh, because then I own it. Granted, you need to get a record player, a CD player, a cassette player. And did I, after purchasing the Beyonce boxes, um, go out and get myself a CD player? Yes. My mom had actually been asking for a boombox. She wanted a cassette player. She kept calling it, uh, she kept saying in Spanish, grabadora. And I was like, you want to record? Like, 
She was like, no, I want to listen to cassettes. And I was like, wrong, wrong, wrong title, but whatever. Anyway, Sony has this, like, boombox. It's a cassette, CD player, radio. So I bought that for her. As soon as I saw the Beyonce stuff, I was like, wait, I'm going to want to be able to play those CDs. So I immediately went to Amazon, bought that for myself. So I have it. So I can now play CDs. I, I came to the United States in 2010, right? I came back to the United States in 2010. I didn't come with a CD player. I, honestly, if you had told me in 2010 that 12 years later I would be, like, excited about CDs, I would have looked at you like, okay, calm down. <laughs> like, here I am. And so I know that I went on a crazy far-off tangent, but Katrina Jackson is showing us in this book, right, how this shared love of music is just an additional layer to the foundation of the love that Alonzo and Ada had. And I do think, you know, you might be like, you might be listening to me and you might be like, I like music, but I've never felt as passionate about it as you sound. But there is probably something that you are just as passionate about. Um, And I think if we think of art in the broad term that it encompasses, you know, music, at you know, physical, fine art, et cetera, et cetera. There are so many ways in which people, humans, can um, share feelings and concepts and ideas that aren't just straight, like, let, you know, like, that's why poetry exists and is so powerful. That's why paintings you know, just there are so many different avenues. She specifically chose music. Um, and I, for me, I very much get it because, yeah, there there's music that feeds my soul, that I hear it and I feel joy. I feel peace. I feel happiness. There's music that, you know, makes me sad or music that makes me feel triumphant, right? Uh, The kids love to talk about main character energy. There's music that makes me feel like I am the main character as I walk down these New York City streets. Um, There is music that makes me feel like the tiniest, tiniest blip in an infinite universe. And tying music to this love story, right? Because these are concepts that are so big, right? These are concepts that are so big, and yet they happen every single day. People fall in love every single day. People have families every single day. People lose loved ones every single day. People have to learn to live with the loss of those that they have loved every single day. That is what it means to be human, right? If you are born, you are going to pass. You might be like, girl, that was dark, but that is the human condition. I randomly was at um, a bar with a friend, I don't know how long ago, and some man was asking me about what I read and I said romance novels and as many people who don't read romance do he was kind of like but why do you read ro-? like you know how it's gonna end because it has to have a happily ever after and isn't that just like dumb and I and I 
I immediately looked at him and I was like, well, romance novels are kind of like, you know, life. And he was like, I don't understand. I was like, we all know where life is going to end. It's going to end in death, but we do not know how we're going to get there. We have no idea of the journey that we are going to take to get to that point. That journey may span decades, right? You may not pass until you're 99. You may pass at five. We don't know. So a romance novel like life, we know how it ends with a happy ever after. But we don't know how we get there. We don't know the ins, the outs, the highs, the lows of that journey. And he like looked at me and my friend looked at me and I was kind of like, oh, maybe that was a bit deep, eh? you know, perhaps. But in this book, we get the entire journey. And you might say to me, but it is gone. So what the fuck? But maybe that's also something to think about, right? And I'm not saying, oh, take away happily ever afters. No, because they had theirs. Of course, when this when we meet them in this novella, Ada is gone in the physical. But Ada is present in the relationship that Alonzo has with his children, the relationship that Alonzo's children have with each other and with their father, and the relationship that these characters have with their community. So is this a feel-good... Like, would I recommend this if you were like, I'm looking for something full of fucking joy, really like happy, happy. No, this is not, this is not, this is not that type of a romance. Um, it's not. But is this a brilliantly crafted story that you at some point have to read? Yeah. I don't care when you read it. It doesn't matter at what point. What you have to do is read it whenever you get to that point, because it is so good. And it'll stay with you and it'll just, it'll touch you in so many ways. And I think, oh, and I just read one of my notes. Um, one of the notes, is, one of the notes I wrote was um, grappling with how much our parents are a part of our, our identity. When you have a close relationship with your parents, you don't really realize until you're at you're close to the end how much they are a part of you and how do you now define yourself right do you will you forever define yourself as the child of you know your parent now if you don't have a close relationship with your parent if your relationship is fraught with tension with pain with unresolved issues i still think that this book is going to touch into those feelings because we're always going to be, you know, someone's child. And if this, if this is a topic, parental death and the grief that surrounds it, if it's a topic that is just too much for you, then of course I'm not like read it regardless and ruin your life. No, don't do that. But I'm just saying if these are topics that you can read feel them, but not have them completely debilitate or derail you, then by all means, please, please do so. 
Um, because it is, there's just so many things about it that I loved, like so many things, um, that I just really, really enjoyed. And I am so thankful that she wrote this book. I'm so thankful that she wrote this duology. Let me run it back. I'm so thankful that Katrina Jackson one day made the choice and the decision to write books and publish them because she could have written all of this and never published it. She could have been like, I want to write this for me, but I'm never going to put it out there. But she made that choice to put it out there. And I am forever, forever thankful because these are books that I will go back to over and over and over again. I know that there will be times when I'm going to struggle with these books, but I am, I'm going to return to them. These are going to be books that I'm going to reread. Maybe I don't reread them every year. Maybe I reread them every few years, but I'm going to go back to them because they are well-written. They are beautiful and they capture love and all of its complexity in such a wonderful way. And in the case of this duology specifically, because I love music so much, because I, you know, sit and listen to music all day, every day, you know, whatever, it just is like so cool to see that on the page, right? To read about how important music is and was to these characters, right? Because that's the whole, that's one of the things um, that they're trying to get through, the characters are trying to sort of work out and also let us, the reader, know. Um, oh, there's one more quote that I want to give you guys, but I feel like that's like too much, but it's so fucking good. Okay, I'm going to do it. If I spoil it for you, tough titties, okay? If, if it just, I have to, because it is just, it is so, so good. So this is a conversation that um, Alonzo and Amir are having, and this is something that Alonzo realizes, or not Alonzo, sorry, Amir realizes. Okay. One day, Alonzo would be gone, and Amir wouldn't be able to remember the exact pitch of his or Ada's voices. But he would still have the music, and it would almost be like having them back. They're the soundtrack you and Mama made together, Amir said solemnly. That's my boy, Alonzo whispered back. And the specific, they're the soundtrack you and Mama made together. That for me was something, because every relationship creates a soundtrack, right? Creates a vibe, a feel. Um, And I'm not just speaking about romantic. I'm also speaking about platonic, you know, relationships. The relationships that we have with others, whether they are our friends, our family, our loved ones, our significant others, our children, um, the children of our hearts. All of these things have soundtrack right maybe there are songs that you have in common maybe there is a song that you always dance to with that person 
And then maybe there's an artist that you always send each other memes about or song snippets. Maybe there are specific artists that you've gone to concerts for with this person. All of these things create a soundtrack. We, When I think of movies and how they have, you know, this all this music in the background, but we, as everyday people who aren't, you know, being filmed by Hollywood, we have that. We have a soundtrack. We have a soundtrack in the sense that, like, there's this cultural connection in terms of, like, the generation you were born in, right? You know, maybe you're of the generation that you grew up listening to Usher in high school. Maybe you're of the generation that you grew up listening to Usher when it was time to clean because your parents grew up listening to Usher in high school. Um, The artists that impacted you and your friends when you were in high school, the artists that impacted you and your friends when you were in college or when you were in your early 20s, the artists that you remember listening to at nightclubs, at house parties, at bashment jams, at soca fets, um, on vacation, at the ballpark. All of these things come together and they do create a soundtrack. And in this book, Alonzo and Ada have physically kept a physical record of that soundtrack with actual records. And that, oh, guys, guys, that was just, that was everything for me. There was a part of me that wished that I could go back in time and somehow help my parents hold on to the record collection that they had had before they, you know, came to multiple other countries. That's not the reality. I don't have a time machine. I'm not doing all that. I'm not, you know, about to go mad scientist on y'all and build a time machine. Ah, 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 ah. But that would have been so cool. And for those of you who maybe have access to your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents' records, CDs, cassettes, hold on to that. I mean, don't hold on to everything. If you absolutely hate an artist, don't do it. But hold on to the ones that mean the most to you and to them. Because like smell, music can bring you back to specific moments in time. To the feelings of those moments and those times. And that is a gift. That is such a gift. Okay. I don't think I have any more for this book. Um, it's just, it's you need to read it. You have to. Again, you know, within reason, I don't, I don't want nobody being like, Esther, you said I had to read it, and then it caused me to spiral. Don't do that. But if you feel strong enough that you can handle, you know, the parental grief, then please treat yourself. All right, I'm going to pause here and then I'm going to come back for some gratitude attitude. Okay, so it's time for gratitude attitude. Uh, And so, I mean, one of the things that I'm 100% grateful for is that I'm back doing podcast episodes. I really missed it and I think... A part of me was like, oh, maybe I just can't do it. Maybe it's just a lot of work. It is what it is. But I am recommitting myself to doing it. And I'm just really thankful that 
I have the tools and the opportunity and the option to do so. Another thing that I'm really, 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 really grateful for, um, my dad is doing better. He's not doing great, but he has definitely improved um, in the last few months which is always, always, always something to be grateful and thankful for. Um, and all of the just support I've gotten from friends and family has just been really, really, really fucking um, wonderful. And I'm over the moon to be thankful for. What else am I thankful for? The other thing I'm thankful for, as I mentioned earlier, I'm slightly obsessed with Dermot Kennedy and... Him letting us, a.k.a. me, the fans, know that album two comes out September 23rd while giving us a brand new single, Dreamer, and a video for that single, I am beyond thankful. There is something about good music that just literally sparks motherfucking joy. And between his new single, band Beyonce's new single, I am, I'm filled with joy and peace, and they are nothing alike, right, you know, Beyonce's is, it's a a dance party, it's an anthem, Uh, Dreamer is so much more emotional and vulnerable, but they are both equally important to me and so I I already know I will not be working September 23rd because I will at midnight I've already pre-ordered it on app on iTunes I have already purchased a lilac lilac vinyl um apparently there's also going to be a black vinyl that has two bonus tracks that I'm probably going to also order um But September 23rd, come midnight, come when the clock strikes 12, I will be listening to that on repeat. If it is anything like his debut album, it'll be the only thing I listen to through the end of the year. Because I listened, Without Fear, I believe, came out in October of 2019. And it is the, I think I listened to that album on repeat with nothing else, at least until mid-December, right? maybe even longer. Um, So much so that I think he ended up being my number one artist for 2019, and the album came out in the 10th month of the 29th, 29th year, the 2019th year. Look at me not knowing how to pronounce big numbers. So when Sonder, which is the name of the album, comes out, I will, it's a Friday, and I'm not working. I've already know that I'm not going to work like it's going to be because I'm going to be up at midnight so anyway I'm so grateful for that I'm so grateful to know the date to know that it's coming to have gotten another single so at this point there are three singles off the album available um and all of them are incredible but Dreamer just touches my soul and so I am just really really thankful guys to be here with y'all to be able to read books. My reading has been a bit kind of sporadic, kind of whatever, because again, like I said, life has been a bit much. 
But I have read some random things that I think I'm going to, you know, I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to structure it when I talk about it. Because some of them I'm like, oh, I don't think this is a whole episode. So we, you're probably going to see episodes coming up where I'm going to talk about multiple books in one episode because none of them are like a whole episode. Oh, for my Nalini Singh stands because I'm not the only one. So Storm Echo has been pushed back due to supply chain bullshit. So it's coming out August 29th. Which is a, or no, not 29th. Lies, lies, lies. August 9th. Oh my god. Someone someone who's listening probably heard that little bit and got mad scared. Um, and this is the North American release. International will still be the original date, which I believe is July 26th. International, or sorry, North America. North America. Oh my god. North America, August 9th. International, as of the newsletter she sent out um, on Tuesday, will be will continue to be um, the same date, the July twenty sixth date. I got an advanced reader copy of Storm Echo. I am telling you now, you need this book. If you are the kind of person who downloads an ebook um, immediately. Um, prepare to not work August 9th. Prepare for that to download onto your device at midnight and to not work. Um, it is a phenomenal book. Again, I am a fan, so obviously I'm not objective, but she, she takes us somewhere I wasn't expecting to go. We get to see, you know, we're back in San Francisco. We are with a merchant. Uh, I don't want to spoil any more because I feel like I could just go off on a tangent. But wow. Also, she let us know Archangel's Resurrection is about Alexander. I'm like, like clapping slash like punching my hand into my my fist and whatever. You know what I mean? Because yo, that and I was when I saw the cover, if you haven't seen the cover, go look for it. When I saw the cover, I was like, oh, my God lighter hair, I was like, I highly doubt it's Elijah, because, like, it could be, because Resurrection, but he is, you know, recuperating, but now it's Alexander, and, oof, ooh, I am ready, okay, so, oh my god, all that, I also plan to do an episode about the lit, the, the book, Danny Acera's book, um, which is one of the um, contemporaries that also came out. Uh, so you have that to look forward to from me, for sure. So Storm, anything that's in the thing will be uh, an episode on its own. There's just no way around that. Everything else I've read, I may like, you know, do you know, one or two books here. Anything that has like common themes or ideas, um, or at least common to me or that makes sense to me. You might be like, hey, what is this? But to me, it made sense to put together. Um, so yeah, I'm. This episode is not coming out on a scheduled day because life. But I will resume a Monday release schedule. So you're really just gonna get like two episodes, almost like back to back, because magic. And then you know, continue to be a Monday release schedule. Um, and I, if if life gets wild again, I will actually 
be communicative and let y'all know as opposed to like what I did before, which is where I just stopped posting um, and kind of like didn't say anything like an a-hole. Um, so apologies for that. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening, um, for taking the time out of your day to listen. Uh, also, I may, I, I don't know yet. I may in the future, once in a while, do video podcast episodes because that is an option on Spotify. You might be like, girl, what? And don't worry if you're like, but I listen on Apple. Um, I found out today that if I upload a video podcast, uh, Anchor, who I is, who is who I use to make my podcast, will then take the audio and upload the audio to the other um, platforms that my podcast is available on, while on Spotify, it would be in video format. I don't know yet, because I, I kind of have to figure out if I can, you know, do it with an iPhone, because I'm not about to go out here and, like, buy fancy things. Um, so, I, I, I have to figure that out. I, I, I may, I may realize it, I may not, but that is definitely a potential thing that may be coming down the pipeline. Um, I'm not a YouTube person, so I highly doubt I'll go down, down that road, but video podcasts on Spotify, I'm like, oh, maybe. Um, and if you're going video podcasts on Spotify, yes, Spotify has video podcasts. If you go into search and go to podcasts and then you see that there's a video podcast, click on that and all of a sudden there's podcasts, video you might be like, how is this different from YouTube? I don't think it is, but you know, everybody, everybody trying to try to find ways to do things, you know, it is, it is what it is out here in these streets. So yeah, again, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful evening or day or midday, mid morning, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, and I will talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye.